0: Order,
1: order. Heather Stewart, political
2: editor of The Guardian Anoushka Astana, political editor of The Guardian Anushka and Heather,
3: congratulations from Women's Parliamentary Radio We have Jackie Ashley as our chair But you are the first job share lobby correspondent for The Guardian, that's right?
2: Oh no, actually we're not. There was a job share between political correspondents once before, but we are the first political editors ever to do a job share. And in fact, we're the first female political editors of a daily broadsheet. Is that something that you'd strive to be, Heather?
1: I've been in economics... I was an economics correspondent for a very long time, so uh, it's not a million miles away, but oh, it's a dream job, really, isn't it? Would have been for a very long time.
3: Well, the congratulations are heartfelt. Let's begin with George Osborne's 2016 budget. Heather, mm. you've just pinged your copy <laughs> a moment ago, and I've dragged you out into the corridor of the lobby. We're standing below the sign saying Burma Road, What's the headline on your copy and how did you read the budget?
1: Well, writers always say I don't read the headlines, but it was fascinating for me to be in the chamber today because I've been writing about budgets for many years, but always, you know, watching it from the outside on the television, and it was a very different feel to actually be there. But I think for Osborne, it was a really interesting moment because there was an absolute flurry of kind of giveaways and pledges and pitches to different groups and different parts of the electorate, and and the end, indeed, of the Conservative Party's electorate. He might be thinking about if he's, you know, thinking about a of the leadership later this year, but actually the overarching economic picture was really quite grim and and so it it was a sort of there was a kind of frenzy of activity going on in the foreground and a lot of short-term giveaways and the background was of a kind of deteriorating economic weather as it were. And the
3: growth forecast revised down that came out very early on.
1: Yes indeed and in fact it's not just that that the Independent Office for Budget Responsibility has downgraded the sort of immediate forecasts for the next year or two they've made an assessment that the damage inflicted on the economy and, and on its kind of growth potential by the financial crisis is, looks much longer term and more permanent than they at first thought so you know it suggests that, that that what happened in 2008 2009 may have blown a permanent hole in Britain's economy which is, is quite a kind of shocking fact really it seems to me and undermining people's concept of Osborne's performance
3: before the autumn statement in October people were saying how well he'd done as Chancellor and oh my
1: goodness a few months later and they're saying well he hasn't achieved very much do you agree with that yeah, I mean, I think it's always been the case, you know, he set out this picture way back in, in 2010 of the various ways in which he, which he wanted to rebalance the economy, he wanted to boost exports, he wanted to diminish the kind of overpowering role of London and the city, you know, we were going to have a march of the makers that was going to boost manufacturing. None of that has really happened, you know, and he's also missed most of his fiscal targets too, so I think it's quite hard to say that he's been a roaring success as as Chancellor and indeed his political touch has seemed to be a little less deft of late with with for example, the U turn over the tax credits cuts. So I think his record looking at the, the economic and, and the sort of fiscal forecast is quite mixed.
3: And not to mention the EU referendum. Anushka, your verdict on the budget, the headlines seem to be Chancellor scores with the sugar tax and pleases people, but at the same time, Corbyn's f- refrain that it's a budget with unfairness at its core is picked up by the headline writers as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, excuse the pun, but clearly he was trying to sweeten the picture with that sugar tax, a nice eye-catching policy to try and almost cover up all that Heather's just been talking about, that grim economic picture. But look, all of this, we're watching it through the lens of a leadership battle that we know is about to come. There will be a vacancy at Number 10 Downing Street. George Osborne, as we know, has his eye on it. So what was he trying to do? I think he was trying to walk a very careful path. On the one hand, say, look, this is me. George the man, almost a kind of march towards a centrist position as a Conservative or potential Conservative leader. But at the same time, he's got this difficult EU referendum and he had to throw some red meat to the back benches. And he did that with policies uh, to help small businesses, a reduction in corporation tax, trying to help out savers, and, of course, freezing fuel duty. Do you agree with the Labour line that's coming out today that it was a, a budget
3: for the rich, and it did very little to help the poor. Uh, or would Labour always
2: say that about a
3: Conservative budget?
2: Well, I suspect some of the Labour be- benches think that Jeremy Corbyn would always say that. But what they have really got hold of, and I think could be quite a powerful issue for them, is to look at the impact on disability benefits. We are looking at a cutback of 1.2 billion pounds all around these personal. And it wasn't mentioned. Well, what George Osborne tried to say, and in some ways he's right, is that it is a rising bill. They have this enormous bill on disability benefits, so in fact it's going to rise by less than was originally planned. The reality of that is that it hits people who are struggling every day, who need particular aids to help them get out of bed or use the toilet, for example. And you know what? I don't think it's only going to be Labour that's going to be worried about this. There's a lot of worries on the Conservative benches, and I know that there's a lot of angst inside the Department for Work and Pensions. Also, not
3: to mention the Waspy women's campaign, which wasn't mentioned by Osborne at all. But there was the ISA for people under forty, the younger generation, to help them with their pensions and save or help them save for a house. Four thousand pounds you save and you get a thousand from the exchequer. That can't be bad.
2: Well, certainly Conservative MPs that I've talked to were really pleased with that policy. And it was the way that George Osborne was trying to, you know, frame this entire budget as something for the next generation. It's all to do, really, with his positioning and who he wants to sell himself as in terms of a Chancellor and, as I say again, as a potential future leader. And clearly, people will like that as a policy. So what he's managed to do is, even in these really grim economic times, is find a way to throw a few pleasers in there as well.
3: Now, being a lobby correspondent and a political editor of a major broadsheet paper in Britain requires a lot of insider knowledge and insider contacts. Your front-page story today predicted a lot of what was in the budget. How do you go about gathering those predictions, getting that information, to be able to say, well, he's going to do this, but he's not going to do that. Do you think your predictions were right, Heather?
1: Well, we certainly got a, a sniff yesterday of the fact that Osborne was going to announce that he was going to accelerate the rollout of academy schools, not a traditional kind of area for a Chancellor of, to announce, but it's part of this bid to show that, you know, he's keen to think about the next generation. It fits that sort of narrative. It's something that uh, that Cameron had talked about in his conference speech. and And that was a bit of sort of... You know, we we, it informed guesswork a bit of having contacts in the in the subject area and quite a bit of putting our heads together in the office and you know collaborating as well. You know, who can I ring about this? Who do who do you know? What you know? How how can we sort of stand this up? So, and you um, get inside it's it's teamwork really and inside contacts as a left wing paper
3: into Number Eleven the Chancellor's office. Where does all your information come from
2: when your party is out of government? Well, look, they talk to all the newspapers. We're still important to them, particularly now when they see us perhaps as an ally on the EU referendum, but you know, what is, what, what, the way you get stories is by talking to people, you know, talking to people in all shapes and forms, whether that be special advisors inside the department, ministers, MPs, or people in the industry, people who might work closely with them, who might have been given some ideas of what's to come. Or the disability charities, or the trade unions, because that was also the source of some
3: of your stories.
2: Yeah, so earlier in this week, we wanted to do a story on these disability benefit cuts, and we talked to the disability lobby, because clearly these are the people who are watching what's going on every day who know the detail who know when it's in hansard that there was a particular debate when a minister told us a particular thing who actually have the information that we need to get at we sometimes have to be kind of across a lot of different areas slightly shallowly but as soon as you know that this area is one that's coming up then you really need to go talk to those contacts and try and pin down the story
3: now a key message that you mentioned several times and peppered into his speech and he ended with was not just the building of infrastructure but the building of a society for the that was fair to the next generation could you have predicted that that he would focus so heavily on what he calls the younger generation the under 40
1: to be honest i think it's partly about that leadership pitch in it, and it's partly about a, a, a Treasury sitting there wanting to come up with some kind of bold narrative and thinking you know so, so there were a series of, of radical reforms of pensions tax relief which we know the Chancellor was considering which might well have formed the centrepiece for the budget in which he's been he, he was forced to abandon you know as the government goes quiet and locks down for the EU referendum so I suspect that these the schools measures were sort of lying around on the shelf somewhere sort of savings ISA that the, the Lisa as they're calling it the lifetime ISA was another thing that sprung to mind the sugar tax what? can you do to put all these things together you say you're thinking about the next generation that's a, that a slightly cynical <laughs> cynical thing it's, it's a good cynical on approach own. to say it's, it sort of fits the narrative but I, that's how it felt to me
3: okay you've given of your time generously so just finally when did your day begin a snippet of you for future historians of what your day was like budget day 2016 we're standing here it's March and the Chancellor's eighth budget there's lots of analysis of him and what he's achieved as well but what did you tweet this morning go for it George or you know restore disability benefit cuts
1: well, I, I actually didn't start... Anushka was on the early shift, I have to confess, this morning. So I was looking at Twitter this morning as my small children were clambering over me in bed. But I, <laughs> I must admit... It i was their sugary drink. Oh, <laughs> certainly not. And I wasn't... Uh, I didn't tweet probably until I arrived this morning, which was to say I've covered umpteen budgets and, you know, now I'm in the chamber for the first time. So I, I think I'm probably right in saying I didn't tweet until about noon, whereas I, I suspect Anushka was probably... Might, the fir- my first contact I had p- with people this morning was sort of perhaps about course, to nine when I was ringing the news desk to say you know here are the things we think are on the agenda here's how we're going to get the different reporters to cover them here's what we think you know might be the centerpiece in the central policies and the thrust of the, what we're going to do so it was it was with me it was more about how are we going to de- deploy the troops was my kind of first approach this morning but Anushka I think you were uh, you were already writing weren't you by Quite early. Yeah, I got um, I got up before the kids were able to clamber over me and ran out of the house.
2: Uh, it's always better to leave before they're awake if you need to <laughs> get going. And I think I was tweeting before seven o'clock because I was very interested in this education story that we managed to break before the Treasury put it out yesterday. I used to be an education correspondent, so I was actually tweeting about that policy early on this morning and perhaps what else we might expect during the day I'm pretty sure that we touched on disability benefits at some point and then of course through the budget sitting in there and next to Heather in the chamber both of us tweeting on what he was saying and what people were saying about him trying to get texts from MPs as we went along to get a sense of how it felt down there. And a bold, brave tweet. Any memorable tweets, do you think? Oh, I was trying to tweet about whether or not someone would be able to say quickly the phrase that George Osborne said today. What was it? About fixing and fitting.
4: Yeah. I can't even yeah. remember it. Yeah. yeah, there was
2: a lot about
3: fixing and fitting and about the younger generation. That was the one that I counted most of. But building for the the future. OK, well, I'm going to leave you now so you don't know what the headlines on your stories are. But
2: we, we we, we, we'll wait and see. What's yeah, <laughs> Well, I think suspect it will be a headline that mixes the sugar tax with the dire economic situation, and I'm writing about George Osborne's leadership hopes. So it'll be some mischief making from backbenches.
1: It, it, it certainly won't be... Uh, we were just looking at the approach of the Mail and their front pages before we were coming out of the office, and they've on their online story at the moment, they've got a very close-up picture of Theresa, May. Theresa May's top with the headline, Boom and Bust, with right. the suggestion that she's showing a bit too much cleavage. I could just... just uh, fr- we, will, we will not be taking that it's approach. <laughs> that's well, we, well, it is uh, a dog-eat-dog
3: profession. We are standing in the Burma Road, where the newspapers are divided, uh, either side of this corridor. But Anushka and Heather, thank you very much indeed for talking to Parliamentary Hello. Radio today. And congratulations on your editorship and your job chair. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Order, order. I'm Anne-Marie Trevelyan. I'm the MP for
3: Berwick-upon-Tweed. Thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary Radio today. Hot
0: foot from George Osborne's 2016 budget. Are you pleased with it? Yes, I'm very pleased with it. It's a very robust, forward-thinking budget that includes, for me, issues like rolling forward the Academy programme, the sugar levy, which is something I've campaigned on for a long time with a certain amount of ridicule over many years, but I think it's really important that government understands how we look after our children at every level. So I'm thrilled with that. The small business rate relief being confirmed in perpetuity is fantastic for Northumberland because we are mostly small businesses. That continuing investment in infrastructure across the Northern Powerhouse is a really positive step forward. And ISAs. Yes, I think the the Lifetime ISA concept is brilliant. It's simple. It will be effective. One of the key problems we've had for the last 30 years is that lack of personal saving, getting back into that habit. I think creating this easy... 50 quid a month into a pot forever concept will and match funded by government money to encourage that is a really really constructive step for everyone out there
3: we've just interviewed jamie oliver on the sugar tax he said it was a bolt out of the blue he didn't know george osborne was going to do this did you know it was going to happen
0: no, none of us had a clue. It was not something that was trailed over the weekend. And I'm thrilled because it's, been, it's, it's felt like we weren't really getting through to the Treasury. So I'm absolutely thrilled that those of us who've been pushing for this because we understand how important our children's health for the long term is for this country. Now,
3: George Osborne mentioned several times, more than a handful, and finished on investing for future generations. Do you think that he dug down... To think enough about the needs of future generations, people would say, well, you didn't do anything about the environment, about the cost of housing.
0: I think, you know, there's always a focus to every budget, and I think this one had a lot of, of that forward thinking, long term planning that he wants to do. He's a very strategic Chancellor, and he understands that the economy is very much more stable than it was eight years ago. We need to get his first budget, and he can now really focus on those long term investment plans that the country needs to really continue to grow and be the economic powerhouse. That it is today. Hand on heart,
3: will this budget make a difference to the f- weekly family finances of people living in your constituency?
0: Yes, it will, directly because the personal allowances are going up. For those who are self-employed, they've taken away the Class 2 National Insurance and the other, you know, uh, financing around that broader, broader financial budget. I think we will see some direct improving hits and the opportunity, as, as the Chancellor always says, to leave more money in the pockets of people because we trust the British people to actually spend their money wisely. And what about Jeremy Corbyn's criticism it's a budget for
3: the rich uh, and not for those who are and that it leaves
0: society very unequal. Well, I would say that those who are in work have now got an increase in their tax-free allowance, and I think that's excellent. It all continues to increase, to invest in growth in future jobs in the apprenticeship framework, encouraging big corporate businesses to be more responsible. All of that is predicated on the fact that what we want is more people in jobs with better paid long-term employment.
3: Should he have done anything for the WASPY women or the benefits cuts? Anything that you think stands out that could have been done for women that wasn't... Or do you think that just by giving a helping hand to young people, he's helping future generations.
0: Well, without a doubt, I think, you know, putting things in at the bottom end when people are just starting in their careers and employment is very important. On the issue of the waspy women, I'm working very closely with the group to find solutions for those who are in financial hardship. I think it's a very difficult area because a lot of work has already been done and the costs are huge in terms of numbers. So that particular area is one that we're continuing to campaign on. Marks out of ten to the Chancellor for his budget? Oh, I think I'd give him a nine. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and marie Torellian, thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary Radio, we've it, enjoyed it. It's a pleasure, thank you. Thank
2: you. Order,
4: order. Hi, I'm Rupa Huck, I'm the Labour MP for Ealing Central in Acton. Rupa, thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary
3: Radio. Your party leader, Jeremy Corbyn for Labour, has just sat down. He's responded to George Osborne's 2016 budget What were your hopes when you went into the chamber to listen to the budget?
4: I mean, they do say, by the way, that responding to a budget is the hardest gig of the whole year because you don't know what you're responding to. So I think Jeremy did a really good job there. But I mean, I was a bit disappointed by this. I thought it was rather thin, really. Osborne is known as a master tactician who can pull rabbits out of hats and find money down the back of the sofa. A lot of these things actually won't come in till 2019 or even 2020 after which he'll have long ceased to have been Chancellor in one way or another. So, I mean, it seemed to be a lot of smoke and mirrors, really. And the
3: growth forecasts have been downgraded 2.2%, not 2.4%, but that's something that's hitting the headlines. You've got new announcements, a new ISA to help young people save or people under 40 save. You've got a new sugar tax. You've got investment in hospitals. And, indeed, the phrase about building a stronger Britain, new infrastructure, roads, rails. So, overall, a balanced budget, would you say?
4: I mean, I think it shows spectacular failure he's missed every single target so the fact that as you say the growth forecast is revised downwards he kept talking about 2019 and 2020 but three months ago his sums are all askew from what he said would be happening again Corbyn said that you can't keep blaming the government before because that was you I mean I think some of the things were a bit gimmicky and also okay a new ISA for people under 40 to squirrel away four thousand pounds a year who are these people people in the real world don't have that kind of spare cash lying around I think it was a budget for the rich really because some of those eye-catching things about corporation tax and capital gains tax I think of my average constituent in Ealing and Acton and indeed in bits of Halston and Chiswick that I represent and for the average person it's not going to massively improve their lives because all these things are skewed towards the rich
3: now a key phrase that Osborne kept mentioned was apart from building uh, a better Britain and the roads rails and infrastructure
4: was putting the next generation first they're putting the next generation first if they've got rich parents who can fund these things £4,000 a year. I mean, we introduced something called the baby bond, which was a small lump sum that would be topped up by parents to help them save for university. So in some ways, it's a bit of a rehash of that. But the sugar tax is something that I've spoken on for that. I mean, it's a levy on drink manufacturers, so it depends whether that will be passed on to the consumer or not. I mean, I think people say that is a regressive tax, that kind of people who like fizzy drinks, they'll just end up paying more. I mean, the next generation, okay, it's protecting them as long as they don't breathe in blooming traffic fumes, because it was not a good budget for the environment. They're cutting petroleum tax, I believe, and they are freezing fuel duties. I mean, if they wanted to punish environmentally irresponsible behaviour, stop people breathing in toxic air pollution fumes, then they could have done something about that.
3: Responding to Osborne's budget, Jeremy Corbyn said 80% of spending cuts were falling on women. Any idea of how women had fared in this budget?
4: I mean, women have borne the brunt of the cuts as it is because they're more likely to be part-time employees, they're more likely to be public sector employees. They're all the thi- And it's local government. This government is very clever at displacing their cuts onto local government. So in Ealing, we have a Labour Council, which is having to try and do more and more with less and less. And people get annoyed at the Labour Council, whereas actually it's because their central grant from government's gone. I thought it was very disappointing for women. He mentioned the tampon tax, but there was actually nothing new. We're all going to have to be paying VAT, which is on luxury products, value added tax on sanitary products still, they haven't really done anything on that, they've said that the the proceeds of that will go towards women's charities, but that's kind of nothing We're new. still paying the tax. We're still paying it, yeah. And for the valiant women born in the 1950s, who, mounted, who have mounted and continue to fight vigorously for the WASPy campaign, these are people who, just because of their birth date, sometimes people months apart have a very different settlement. They're having to work, some of them, eight years longer than they thought for their pension. They were given no notice. They've had no time to plan for that. I'm very disappointed that there was nothing for them. I think it was disappointing for people. I mean, some of these things, again, it's just an illusion really that taking people out of tax at a higher rate, that doesn't help the lowest paid. It doesn't matter if it's 10,000, 11,000. If you're on 5,000, how is that going to help you? Budgets used to be assessed by how they helped
3: working people. How has this budget helped working people in your constituency?
4: For the average working person, there's pretty much nothing in this budget, really. It's not for the average working person. It's just for George Osborne's mates in the cities. But I think for the average person, very slim pickings indeed.
3: Rupa thank you very much indeed for talking to Women's Parliamentary Radio today. Hot foot from the 2016 budget. Thank you.
5: Order, order. Susan Kramer, I'm the Liberal Democrat economy spokesperson. And, basically, this is sort of the sweet and sour budget, isn't it? I mean, if you look at the sour, the government has missed its targets. He's now making us pay for that. 3.5 billion in mystery cuts to come out of public spending. Goodness knows what those are going to be, but they're front line. He's uh, said that the schools and the National Health Service have to put an extra 2 billion into the pension fund. That'll have to come out of the front line. He's made some very welcome cuts in the business rates. That, apparently, is coming, as far as I can see, out of the money that usually goes to local government. So that's the government that is providing care for older people, street cleaning, picking up the rubbish, looking after your libraries. That People are going to feel that cut. Well, he's introduced a sugar tax. Jamie Oliver is behind you congratulating him on
3: that and saying he's pleased that that's happened and the campaign has been won, happening in two years' time. An ISA, uh, for people under 40 to save, they put in 4,000,
5: the government gives them 1,000. Constantly, George Osborne said this was a budget for the future well I'm delighted with the sugar tax I think that's brilliant and all credit to Jamie Oliver and campaigners up and down the country because obesity really is a blight on our young people and it's a little bit of money to go into education but if you actually look at the education budget it's being cut per pupil and that's the number that matters and at a time when we are desperately short of school places when we need more quality teachers and in fact we really should be looking at giving teachers maybe other public except workers, a bit of a pay rise. They've been frozen for years and they're starting to leave the profession. So I only see that as a little bit of a token. In terms of the new ISA, always delighted of opportunities for people to save, but look at it very carefully, and I think he's preparing the way in future years to change all of our pensions. I will bet you this is a pilot for saying, pay taxes on your income, and then you can put it into a pension pot. Instead of today, if you have a proper pension, you actually would be able to do it off tax-free money. So I hope young people put the money first into a pension and only the leftovers into the ISA. And finally, are you convinced by all schools becoming academies? I'm less concerned about the way they're structured. What I'm much more concerned about is whether or not they're getting properly funded. And this is a budget that used the story about academies to hide away from the fact that that proper funding is not staying in the system. Nine out of ten for the budget or two out of ten? (laughs) I'm probably a lot closer to the two out of ten. I think we could have done a great deal more, especially if this Chancellor hadn't painted himself into a total corner with some very artificial fiscal targets that he has now missed. Susan Kramer, thanks for talking to us. Thank you.
3: Order,
6: order. I'm Jamie Oliver.
3: Women's Parliamentary Radio today. You had no notice of the announcement by George Osborne this, today.
6: This, uh, when I woke up this morning, do you know what? I, I, did, it didn't, even, I didn't even think this would happen. This is an extraordinary curveball in my day. On behalf of all the children and parents of Britain, I am bloody over the moon, sorry I swore, I do apologise, but I'm so happy, and not just because of the sugary drinks tax, not just because it's symbolic in the way that we're hopefully going to approach the environment that our kids are brought up in, it's also about the hard cash going into primary schools, sports, breakfast clubs, this is the best day of my year so far, I'm over the moon, but really for me it's a precursor to the government releasing the childhood obesity strategy, which is the real bit of grunt work. and, and
3: you succeeded at getting the drinks industry on board. Osborne said that Robinsons had already reduced their sugar content. Yes,
6: I mean, I think, I think the whole industry is reformulating at a rate, and that's a rate um, on their terms, and I think they've been doing pretty well. I think if you look at the rate of obesity in, our, in, in child health and the costs to that, what today said is you've got until 2018, guys, to pull your finger out and get amongst it, or you'll be taxed, and there's a few bans. So actually, I think they've been quite generous. It is a little bit like putting them on the naughty corner. And I think they should be. For too long, these companies have taken over our sports games. They took over our Olympics. They hide behind sport, energy in and energy out. i have been to Mexico, which has a sugary drinks tax, where they have 75,000 amputations because of type 2 diabetes a year. We have 7,500 here in Britain. You know, it, the statistics are phenomenal. And You've
3: got the journalist behind you, that memorable occasion when Newsnight, when Jeremy Paxmore was presenting it, when they showed the number of sugars in a Coca-Cola. What's the media instrumental in bringing about this change the, too?
6: The, the, the media's been great. I mean, I think, I think often, you know, maybe people like The Sun normally want to kind of like say that you're taxing the poor. But actually, the Robinson story is quite interesting. They haven't passed that on. They've chosen not to pass that on. And I think George uh, today said that it's up to them if they're going to pass it on or not. This whole tax is all about the poorest and the most at risk children. And when I started a year ago, I gave a printed out graph of that statistic of how if you're a poor kid in Britain, you're, you're like four times more likely to be um, overweight or obese than if you're from an advantaged family. And that was always the focus. I gave it to him. I thought it was a bit cheesy, but actually when I went to a meeting in Downing Street, That picture came out and it went in the middle of the table for the whole conversation with all the advisors and experts. People hate the concept of it, but it's not about the tax. It's about the fact that they've done it. So now I'm just excited to see what happens in there for the strategy. Fingers crossed.
3: Jamie Oliver, congratulations.
6: Thank you. you. order, order.